Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast. I am senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I'm back again this week here with editor-in-chief Jill Manoff. How's it going, Jill? So good. He's back. Woo! I'm back. Thank you for <laughs> filling in for me last week. I was on vacation, and it was great. But now I'm back, and I am ready to recap the week of fashion. Um, this week, we're going to talk about Victoria's Secret's ongoing transformation. There's a couple little bits of news that tie into sort of how they're trying to change their, the face of the brand. Um, we'll look at Instagram's new product tagging feature and how you can not get paid for it. Finally, we'll look at Lululemon's, um, some of the new goals they set out around doubling their sales, growing its men's business, stuff like that. But Jill, let's let's start with Victoria's Secret. So um, we, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but we've definitely covered it on Glossy. Victoria's Secret trying to sort of shake the reputation they've had as like this very sexy and like kind of sexist brand, you know, with like the angels and like the, I don't know, you, you know what I'm talking about. They've just always had attainable beauty standards. And exactly. yes, I would say uh, very narrow yes. uh, standards. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you definitely. So I think people know what I'm talking about when I say that they've had that kind of reputation for a while. And they've definitely in the last year tried to pull back from some of that imagery kind of like you know, set up a new reputation. So two bits of news this week that kind of play into that, though, is one, they they hired their first male ambassador, um, the actor Darren Barnett. So he's he's starring in a campaign. He's like judging some of their contests. He's he's doing a couple of things. And they um, they framed that decision as like a inclusivity kind of thing, um, which I think it is. I think there's a good amount of movement in underwear, intimate apparel space to kind of like break free of like gender boundaries and binaries and, you know, do lots of gender neutral unisex kind of stuff, which is cool. The other thing is they have a new brand that they just launched called Happy Nation that's focused on tweens, um, which how do we define tween, Jill? Like, well, I I know it's right before teenager, but how young do we go for tween? Yeah, well, they're targeting eight to 13. So I think I I would immediately think like, 10 to 12, but anyway, a little bit broader than that for, for Victoria's Secret. Eight feels a little young for a tween, but I guess, you know, whatever. Anyway, but the, one of the uh, the selling point around that is that it's all like gender free and the, the marketing language actually t- took a quote here that says judgment free products for tweens that are accepting, inclusive and supportive. And I feel like judgment free is a good, uh, you know, that's not something I think people would describe most Victoria's Secret as a couple of years ago. It's like very judgment heavy. Both in the marketing <laughs> no judgment like, here. No judgment. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I know how it's described in the fact that at the same time, they're rolling out gender free, a gender free collection under their pink label with this new new model. Um, it just reads to me, it reads that Happy Nation is a just a young, younger version sized smaller than pink, um, which is what what they're doing with gender free. So um, I don't really see much of a difference other than it says happy all over it. (laughs) Happy nation. Um, So yeah, it's basically, yeah, young, younger and pink. The other difference though, is that I think happy nation is only sold online for now. Um, I think it's DTC only. Um, Or wait, is Victoria's Secret only DTC? I think like, do they only sell in their own stores? 
They do, but yeah, you're right. No okay. physical retail but plans, no physical retail. Um, mm-hmm. but they are kind of doing all the the innovative things in terms of um, planning to promote in the metaverse. And um, I, we were talking about it with our team. They're g- going to get involved with Roblox via a an obby game, an obstacle course. So um, yeah, definitely trying to to be forward, move fast. Um, they will not be accused of being <laughs> behind the times as in, yeah. in years past. And speaking of, side note, did you see that Kim Kardashian is suing Roblox or was going to sue them over like a I watched the episode. Indeed. Yes. Scandalous. I would sue ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Easily. Easily. Anyway, so that's a separate story, but just came to mind. Um, I do think there's something interesting about Victoria's Secret, like launching more sub brands because like as far as I know and I I, to be fair I don't keep up with them like super heavily but I feel like they have not launched like a new brand in a while like they've got pink and like they've got Victoria's Secret and stuff and so this is the first one that I've heard about in a while and I think the strategy of doing online only first and then kind of like going out to stores possibly later is is kind of interesting just like a a sort of gradual rollout for that yeah I mean it's interesting. They're talking about kind of filling a void in the market, which you don't maybe immediately think of a brand when you think of um, somebody that makes training bras, basically the first bras. And um, they're also doing like period panties for these girls who are kind of just getting uh, maturing and getting into this area. Um, so that's that's something. But there are other brands that have recently gone there, um, which, gosh, I, I've got a list here. But um, yeah, it's not alone, we'll say. Um, and there are various uh, things is doing it, Journal, Target, mm-hmm. um, Abercrombie, Kohl's. So yeah, it's definitely a hot space. Brands are popping up to cater to this market, whether it's with underwear or clothes. There's one called Woodley and Lowe that's DTC. That's really fun. Um, so yeah, I think that when the, what was it called? Not limited to the um, justices of the world clothes. Everybody Justice. saw that as an opportunity to kind of pounce and go for this, I guess, lucrative market. Yeah, definitely. And one other point on that is I feel like uh, again, like intimate apparel or underwear, whatever you call the sector, um, they sort of have like, I think a little bit more, um, or a little bit of a different challenge or when it comes to like gender neutral kind of stuff. Cause if you're just, if you're a brand that sells like shirts or whatever, you can sort of like be embrace gender neutrality or gender fluidity, like kind of easily because it's just a shirt and like anyone can wear a shirt. And I feel like when you're an underwear brand and you're making bras and stuff like stuff that is a lot more heavily gendered than just like a shirt or something. You kind of like, I'm not saying it's harder, but it's sort of like you have to embrace it. You you have to do more to like make it happen. You know what I mean? And so I think there's a lot of underwear brands that either like don't talk about it at all and have not done anything or they like really kind of embrace it fully. Like I think Janelle has talked about it a lot and, and Victoria's Secret too. And then there's brands like Tomboy X that like have, from the beginning have had that be a part of their identity. So I think it's just, if you're making a product that like is like very heavily gendered, it's kind of like you've, I, I, again, I don't want to say harder, but it's just, you've got more to do, you know, it's not, it's not as easy as just like eliminating the categories and being like, everything's for everyone, which you could do more easily if you're just making like pants or something. 
Yeah, I think it's almost like um, we've talked about with all of the new shapewear categories um, where they're calling themselves shapewear, but they're doing activewear and athleisure. Um, in this case, like Pink, the the actor, the Netflix actor who is their first male, um, I guess, spokesperson or, or face, um, he's promoting an athleisure collection within the Pink line, and he's going to be promoting a fleece jacket. So, um, yeah, I think like I... I wouldn't think of it as like an being underwear. Um, and so we'll see how they handle that on the happy nation side, which what is with this naming system? There's also a newer kind of active wear athleisure uh, brand that's, I guess, targeting Gen Z called the weekend nation. Um, anyway, nation mm. it is. <laughs> it's confusing a, to there's me. A couple, there's a couple of happies too, because then they're like happy returns and stuff. And like happy, happy, socks. happy, socks? happy socks. Yeah, that was just going to say happy socks too. Anyway, a lot of names are not very creative, but I actually, for for all the other criticism, I do think Victoria's Secret's a pretty cool name for a company. It's like very mysterious. It really is, and yeah, we'll see. They're they're definitely moving fast and furiously. And to me, the the male model wasn't the most surprising thing, considering what they've already done this year with um, Hari, Harry Neff, and. Um, Plus size models, transgender models, Down syndrome models. Um, they're definitely um, changing it up. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's talk about Instagram. So it's kind of a small bit, but I thought it was interesting. So Instagram, uh, I think they announced this last month, but it's just rolling out now. Anyone can tag products in an Instagram post now. And for uh, I think before this, it was restricted to either brands or if you're like a creator um, I'm doing air quotes. You can't see if you're listening, but I am doing air quotes <laughs> around creators. Um, basically, if you're an influencer, you're a lot just like you need to be an influencer to like swipe up for links in your story or whatever. Um, you, but now anybody can tag products. But the thing is, you don't like get paid for it unless you're like a creator or working with the brand or something. So like, it's just like to me, I was like, it's just a way to pretend that you're an influencer or sort of like, I don't know, copycat what they do or something. I don't know. What, yeah. Joe, what do you what do you think the purpose is there? I agree. I mean, work for Instagram, why don't you? They and and, and it's a way for I guess this would maybe like something Instagram's talking about to brands. We're facilitating this feature, which potentially as as Instagram Instagrammers maybe want to pose as an <laughs> influencer right off the bat. Like maybe this is cool. They see influencers doing it all the time. But literally they get a cut of sales. All of these um, transactions happen in feed. They're trying to make shopping happen in the app. Um, it just seems like, uh, yeah, some a play for, for more um, shopping business through the app. Um, yeah, it's confusing to me. I don't think that I would. Personally, I don't want people to know how much I spent on my clothes. <laughs> like, let's immediately yeah. call out this. Look at my top. It was $35 or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know who's going to go there. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, though, is I, I remember talking to um, we were talking. I was talking to Jeff Staple about Kanye and Virgil. And he was describing he was contrasting them as like open source and closed source where it's like Virgil, like Kanye is like sort of has all these influences and stuff, but he kind of like merges them all and then doesn't like sort of say exactly where things came from. But Virgil was very much like I took this idea from here. I took this idea from here. This came from this. And um, and I think in fashion and style, there's I think some people like want to they want you to think this outfit just was like came out of the ether and I just like found, you know, and then other people want to talk about where stuff came from and where each piece is from and how much they spent for it and stuff. And um, 
So I think, Jill, there's a lot of people like you who don't necessarily want to tag every product and want everyone to know exactly. And I'm old that school. This, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but some people do. So that's, I, I, I can see there's, I, I guess, uh, well, because I know some people in fashion, like um, Amy Smilovich from, from Tibby, like constantly is posting uh, like every piece that she's wearing and where it came from and like all this stuff and, and likes to facilitate that discussion. So I can see even, even if you're not getting- Even outside of Tibby, like is it other brands too? Um, that's the one that comes to mind, but I'm sure there's like lots of people. No, but I mean, is she tagging that. brands beyond her own? Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Yes. Um, yeah, I think so. But okay, I don't. She's. Cool. I don't know if she's like tagging the product in like the official Instagram way, but she like yeah. says where stuff is from. Um, it does have a value for people beyond like even though you're not making money from it. Like if you're just somebody who likes to talk about cl- like clothes and where stuff comes from, and you know you that's part of why you like to use Instagram, then it's a it's a nice feature to like just organize those things. But um, I and I also agree with you, Joe. That I do think there's a little bit of like people like to pretend that they're influencers, and that's. You know, a lot of people want to be influencers. Totally. And now there's more, I guess, um, it's at the liberty of somebody to become sort of an influencer with like these affiliate open partnerships, like earn a commission if you sell um, this way. You don't have to be chosen by the brand, I would say. Um, but the process for tagging something is that you tag the brand, assuming they allow that. And also you find the product, you search the product on the site, it comes up within the app. Um, I mean, potentially there's also a way for, this is a way for budding influencers. They want to get the attention of brands. They know that they're whether it's small or large audience is buying from them or buying everything they wear, they love them um, to kind of, yeah, get the attention of brands and saying, <laughs> yeah, they get pinged. I tagged you. They're seeing a lot of sales through me. Hey, Zara, I don't know, whatever. But I, if I were the brand, I'd be like, okay, you're already posting us for free. True. So <laughs> keep keep going, you know. That's really good. Yep. Good point. Dang. The, the, the relationship between the influencers and the brands is always so interesting to me of like you yeah that that that's my immediate thought if i was a brand if somebody's already posting about me for free i'm like great keep going um but i can also see how you know it would be helpful to like get brands attention and stuff um, totally so it's just another step in terms of them like trying to own um the shoppable app uh, make it happen um and they're rolling out a ton of features like even within the last month um and options and just making it very user friendly in terms of yes sh- buy it immediately you can order your feed in terms of chronological as opposed to algorithm they're just some cool th- new things and they they're moving fast too i think every brand that we're talking about today or every company is um you know they've taken that maybe the pandemic moment to like be very nimble and not think twice and go there, Mm -hmm. Um, which definitely a theme among these guys. Yeah. Last thing on Instagram, Jill, have you bought much stuff through Instagram, like in app, like in feed? That is a very good point. I was thinking that as well. No. And that's, again, I think that this is a kind of uh, the hope of Instagram as people see it more or like make it accessible, make it easy, that more people will, and that will become a habit. Um, no, like I, I want to know more. I want to see more image. There's just more on, on a site right now. Yeah. From what I mix. How about you? No, I, I think I bought, uh, like a mechanical keyboard or something through Instagram and that's it. Like I, I have not really engaged with the shopping much, um, but I also like I, I get a lot of style, like I get a lot of fashion stuff, but I also get a lot of like tech and like uh, 
I get a lot of notebook ads and stuff for like different types of like stationary products. So I haven't bought any clothes, but I have bought like some more just like tech or like consumer product stuff. And maybe because there's less information needed around like fit and size and stuff, I'm like more willing to take a, a risk on it. So I don't know. For fashion, like I definitely think the like amount of information available compared to what's on the site that's a hurdle for sure yes in comparison shopping like again i'm a cheapo like yeah. i like to see what's where i can find it cheaper if i find it and i like it mm -hmm. there i can always find a deal <laughs> i like to have a bunch of tabs open and flip between them and stuff so and you're right that's something else you can't do on instagram um but let's talk about our last story which is lululemon so uh on wednesday lululemon put out a bunch of new goals um, that they're aiming for. The biggest one being that they want to double their annual revenue in the next five years to 12 billion. I think it's like six or five point something or whatever now, um, or, or six point something. Um, but anyway, they, so they want to double their, their annual revenue, um, which seems very ambitious, but in 2021, they increased their annual revenue by 41%. And they've been like huge in the last couple of years and definitely at the forefront of the whole pandemic, like athleisure, surge. So I don't think it's unrealistic to say they could double in five years, but it, that's one of their very ambitious goals, along with some stuff like doubling the men's business and quadrupling international revenue. So there, there's lots of granular, like specific goals, but the big one is just double the whole company in, in five years. Um, yeah. What do you think, Joe? I feel like, well, before we get into it, gosh, it is what we've been saying for a minute, just um, kind of how what's happened in the last couple of years. We're just going to see the giants that have survived it and had had the resources to keep growing and moving and and taking advantage of opportunities, just getting bigger. I just, uh, this called to mind um, a company that I talked to called Lamech that's really specializing in, men, it's a men's activewear marketplace. Um, and basically it's saying, you know, there's no place men go <laughs> to get their um, activewear. Um, we want to be the, the source. Um, women go to Lululemon. We want to be the go-to. So anyways, a lot of these young startups, um, the big guys are moving fast and they're going to mark their territory. And and it's kind of scary for them, even on the Victoria's Secret side with Happy Happy Nation. Um, I was like, oh, I, I can't think of the DTC brand I talked to, but um, young girls launching, um, again, kind of training bras, first bras, teen bras, and they were very new and again, saw this white space. Um, yeah, it's, Interesting. We'll see what happens in this market. The giants, like I said, getting larger. But yeah, part of this play is for the men's business. They also um, have Lululemon has um, international aspirations, brick and mortar in Spain and Italy. Um, they're launching a membership. Let me think what else is part of this. Um, about three factors that, that they named. Oh, customer experience, I believe, probably in store and on online. Do you know what, what that's all about? No, I, I did not really look into that. I was focusing on the numbers, Joe. I'm a numbers guy. <laughs> we are a business publication. <laughs> Nothing wrong there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, one thing they I don't think they mentioned, but I was interested in is they, they recently launched footwear too. Um, and I think uh, there's a good modern retail story about it, um, about like the, you know, the launch of their footwear collection, which I can link to. But um, that one was interesting to me because I feel like, uh, you know, when it comes to like leggings and stuff, Lululemon is very top of the pack, like very like dominant, but footwear and athletic footwear is like a very different market and very competitive. Um, and they're kind of like, even though they're a huge company, they're sort of coming 
in it as like sort of beginners in that area. And that's a, that's a tough area to compete in. Um, especially when they're already competing with like Nike and stuff on athleisure stuff, which are or athletic wear, which I think they have a much better time competing with, but footwear is like their active footwear is very, a few very dominant people. And it's really hard to, I think, get in there from what I've heard, unless you're like sort of a more niche brand. Like if you are like on running or something like they have a very like specific target, which is like marathon runners, like people who run like really regularly and, and they've been able to grow and succeed just, you know, because of the focus. But if you just want to like genu- generally just like start making sneakers, that's very tough. Yeah, for sure. Well, they're expanding again, fast and furiously um, and braving those new areas. Um, I mean, resale, everybody's doing resale, but they just launched that as well. They obviously acquired Mirror, Mirror, Mirror <laughs> um, for um, the, and that's playing into their membership. Um, they're going to have a paid tier of $39 a month, which is the same membership as the Mirror membership. And you get all of these extra bells and whistles. Um, so, I mean, they're playing in way more areas than, than the couple of years ago. Um, I'm with you that this all seems very doable for them, these numbers. Um, there was also an, an interesting stat. They gained more market share globally than any brand in the adult active apparel industry uh, between 2019 and 2021. So, I mean, assuming they just maintain the trajectory, maybe don't slow down. I think that trying things is good and, and you have a, a built-in audience. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, see if they take to it. Especially because it's not doubling profit, it's doubling revenue. So, like, if they want to throw a bunch of money around to, like, try out new revenue streams and stuff, like, they they can do that and still hit that goal. Last thing I wanted to say about Lululemon, and, and I wrote about this a few weeks ago, is that they are also, like a lot of brands, going to do some price hikes soon. I think they said around 10% of the catalog is going to be more expensive in the next coming months. Um, I don't think they said by how much, but they kind of characterized it as, like, modest or, like, in, like not insignificant, but like not that much and like no big deal, um, which I think anytime you're raising the prices, that's how you'd want to characterize it. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily going to stop them from hitting their goals, but it's definitely like people don't love prices going up. So um, yeah, are know. you seeing it's interesting timing, like I haven't connected the dots, which it makes perfect sense that as brands raise prices, they're at the same time launching resale. So it's like, if you don't want to pay the new price, you can pay the a, a lower price and get something oh, yeah. a little bit used. It, it makes good sense. That is interesting. I didn't think about that. And and I know one thing that is attractive about doing resale is like your stuff is getting resold regardless. So you might as well like get some some of that money, you know, even if it ends up being not that much or less than the full price or, or anything. So anyway, I, I think that lots of interesting stuff going on with Lululemon, new categories, international expansion, price hikes, resale, all that stuff. So definitely a, a company to watch. But you you have a good point about the big players and like the ones that survived the pandemic, like, okay, just rolling with that momentum and like getting even bigger and making it a lot harder for smaller brands to get in there. Oh, I wonder about like, Brent, I mean, there are some emerging giants, like, how do you say it? Viori, Viori, they're mm-hmm. men, men's activewear. Um, yeah. You know. Gotta wonder. I'm sure they're just watching this like a hawk. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure because they're because they do men's and women's, but they definitely like were men's is like kind of the, what they're known for and what they started with and stuff. So, um, and and their CEO Joe Kudla has told me that like their 
was like part of their differentiating factor was the focus on men's because there's lots of there's lots of Lulus and stuff out there for women. So yeah, I'm sure they're they're on top of this as well, keeping an eye on the market. Cool. Well, I think that's all we have time for today, Jill. It was very nice to be back talking to you about fashion stuff. Um, thank you all for listening. If you haven't done this already, please rate and review the podcast on wherever you listen to it, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever. That really helps us a lot. And if you have not subscribed already, you should do so because not only can you hear me and Jill talking every Friday, but also every Wednesday, Jill talks to an insider in the industry. Jill, who's on the next episode of the Glossy Podcast? Up next, so, so cool, so fun. We have um, Botsheva Hay. She's from the dress brand Botsheva that came to rise, came to be, uh, I don't know, got on the map in the 2021 inauguration. It, anyway, you'll oh, hear right. all about it. So yeah, it's so cute. <laughs> Cool. So every week, Jill talks to people like this, very cool people. So if you subscribe, you can hear that. And then on Fridays, you can hear me and Jill talking. But that's all. So thank you so much for listening. 